Later that same day, two of Jesus' disciples were walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, a journey of about 17 miles. They were in the midst of a discussion about all the events of the last few days when Jesus walked up and accompanied them in their journey. They were unaware that it was actually Jesus walking alongside them, for God prevented them from recognizing him. Jesus said to them, You seem to be in a deep discussion about something. What are you talking about? So sad and gloomy. They stopped, and the one named Cleopas answered, Haven't you heard? Are you the only one in Jerusalem unaware of the things that have happened over the last few days? Jesus asked, What things? The things about Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they replied. He was a mighty prophet of God who performed miracles and wonders. His words were powerful and he had great favor with God and the people. But three days ago, the high priest and the rulers of the people sentenced him to death and had him crucified. We had all hoped that he was the one who would redeem and rescue Israel. Early this morning, some of the women informed us of something amazing. They said they went to the tomb and found it empty. They claimed two angels appeared and told them that Jesus is now alive. Some of us went to see for ourselves and found the tomb exactly as the women had said, but no one has seen him. Well, good morning. He's risen. All right, we're learning it. We're learning it. We're getting into the rhythm of it. It's so good to be here this morning with you. If you haven't met me yet, my name's Michael. I'm one of the pastors here on staff at Cedar Valley. And it might be your thousandth time here on a Sunday morning. It might be your first. But this is going to be a special morning. It's one of the most exciting Sundays of the year. And this whole weekend has been very busy. I'm just going to say this whole weekend has been very full. From Good Friday to celebrate an Easter egg hunt with our community, there's families that I ne- actually had never celebrated Easter before. And we got to introduce them to some of what Easter celebration was. Through an Easter bunny, admittedly, and eggs, but it was a step into towards learning the story behind the holiday. It was exciting and then we had the sunrise service bright and early this morning for those of you that made it. And then we're here. And there was a, there's been people that have been at every single thing, getting ready, not just showing up to participate, but being up here on stage, reading scripture, prepping behind the scenes, decorating the stage. And I know that Grant and Leslie did not get to bed until after 2 o'clock last night. This morning... My wife literally sent a food, a breakfast delivery to me because I didn't have time to come home for breakfast this morning. And so I just want to give a big hand to everybody that served this weekend to make it all possible. It's fun to celebrate, but it's good to celebrate those that serve us so we can celebrate. And this morning as I was prepping the message, as I was getting it ready, It's interesting because we'll often walk into church on Sunday and we sit down, we go, I hope the pastor got a good message ready that he can fill me up for the week, that he can recharge me so I can get through the week strong, right? 
And it's Easter, so you're like looking for a little bit extra. So you're like, hey, maybe Michael will bring something so good that it'll fill me up and I'll be good for two weeks. I don't even need to come back next Sunday. I can take a week off, right? I don't know if you think that way. Sometimes I think that way. Let's be real. But as preparing, what came to mind, what I've been really praying for, is that this morning God would speak to you. So that this week he can speak through you. That he wouldn't just fill you up for yourself. He wouldn't just fill up this place this week. That we wouldn't just have a word for us that's encouraging and speaks life to us this week, but would be something that he speaks to you this morning so that this week, when you go to work on Monday morning, you're like, God spoke something so good to me that even though you don't understand this whole Jesus thing and I'm just a weird Jesus person, this weekend I was at church and God did something and he had something that I'm so excited about that I just have to tell you about, even though it's kind of weird and religious. And that when you go and have Easter dinner, that you can't help but talk about what God is doing in your life and what how he's working, the hope that he gives you. So my prayer this morning is that God would not just speak to you, but this week he would speak through you. And we're in our series called Running to Life from Death. And it's a series around the whole big story of Easter. We started way before Easter. We're not even finishing this week. We wrap up the series next week. And the story of Easter is the story of Christ winning the victory over death and him inviting us into experiencing that victory over death with him. And that means that our participation looks like running to life from death. And death comes up in many different ways. Death in our lives comes up in so many different ways. And one of the biggest ways I've seen death come up in our lives is that it steps in through fear. Death goes, I see that you are ready to run to life, but I'm going to hold you back with fear. I'm going to lock the door on you and keep you from running because of fear. I'm going to get you to hide and cower behind fear. And fear is interesting because fear is not always a bad thing. Um, I've been a pastor of youth for a long time, and if you spend time around teenage guys, they lack fear. And you think it's just something that we say about them, but then you actually learn the science. And physiologically, the part of their brain that's supposed to tell them, this is a bad idea, I might die, doesn't ex- has not developed fully yet. And so you have, so you take guys, like you take a group of youth away for like a weekend camp, and you're like, it's fun, we'll roast marshmallows, it'll be great. And next thing you have guys like wanting to jump off the dock, having no clue if there's this much water or 10 feet of water underneath, you know? And you're like, a little bit of fear would be good for you. We're given fear. God gave us a bit of a, there's a healthy fear that keeps us alive. There's even a healthy fear of God going, God, you're the God of the universe. You know a lot more than me. You're all powerful. You're all loving. You're all kind. But I also am going to have a healthy respect and fear of you. But fear sometimes can come in and it can take control of our lives. Fear can lock us behind a door. And when I was thinking somewhere where I've struggled with that in my life, it's kind of vulnerable and personal, but I hope that it's appropriate because if you know Morgan and I, we're expecting our second baby this week. Um, Yeah, it's like a week and a half. It's really close. Uh, We're expecting our baby daughter to arrive. And I say second baby, but really it's our fourth baby. Because before Ivor came along, we had two different miscarriages. And... They were incredibly 
painful experiences where you kind of look death in the eye, where you're, you're so full of hope, you're so looking forward to years of life and what God's going to do through their life. Instead, you face death and it, it can mess you up. Like I'm still struggling through some of that grief. It still affects me a lot. But it inspired a fear in me. Once you've lost a couple of babies, you're scared. And it's a reasonable fear. It's not a dumb fear. You're like, if this baby died and this baby died, then will the next one make it? And you go, do we want to even try to have kids? Do we even want to try to nurture a life if it's just going to end in death? And so this fear takes control. And it's really hard. And there's a part of me that wanted to just say, no, I'm just done trying. I just want to hide. It's failed. It just ends in death. And we each have our own stories. I'm not unique in having pain in my life. I'm not unique in having what I hoped was going to turn out so well, what I hoped was going to turn into life, turn into death. Each of us have fears that control us in our life. And it may be around our finances. There may be something where we're like, I want to follow God. I want to do this with my life. I have so much hope for this, but I'm afraid of the financial risk involved. I'm afraid of how that's going to end. And it might be that even in our relationship with God, that we've prayed for something so much, we've hoped for it so much, and then he didn't answer in the way we expected, and it ended in brokenness or ended in death. And now we're scared to pray. We're scared to ask God for anything because we're like, what's the point? That's funny because when you read through the life of Jesus and we're followers of Jesus here as Christians, we're followers of Jesus and Jesus prayed for miracles and people were healed. But so many of us are scared to pray for healing for somebody, whether it's a friend or a family member ourselves, because we're like, God, I had this health problem going on and I prayed for it. I prayed for it. and It just got worse. And we're, and now we're locked in by fear. And the Easter story is actually a story of fear. The Easter story looks fear in the eye and wrestles with it. In the video earlier, we hear about these men walking along the road to Emmaus. And these men are walking along and a third person walks up and joins them. And I always find that funny because like now with cars, it's not so bad. Like you're driving to Agassiz in your truck with somebody sitting next to you, no Nobody just shows up in the back seat and joins the conversation, hopefully, right? And not like, oh, yeah, church last Sunday was crazy, whatever happened, you know? And then somebody jumps up and is like, oh, yeah, I heard what happened. No, that doesn't happen. But when you're walking, it gets awkward, right? Because when you're walking, like if you're walking down, you're walking somewhere, you accidentally end up next to somebody, you're like, do I talk to them? Do I not? Like I mountain bike and we're going up the climb trail. Sometimes somebody's faster or slower than somebody else. And you end up next to each other and you're like, do we have a conversation? Do we just like nod at each other and admit that one person's faster than the other? I don't know. But anyways, these guys are walking to Emmaus. And this third guy just shows up walking with them, as can happen when you're walking. And it could have been, I don't know whether it was awkward or not, but it happened. And he's like, what's going on? And these men share about how much hope they had. They share about how... For hundreds of years, the nation of Israel had been waiting for this Messiah to show up. And the Messiah was 
this promised savior to the nation of Israel because the nation of Israel had been taken captive by one nation and then another nation came along and took them captive and it just went on. And for hundreds of years, they've been oppressed and they've been without hope. But before they even taken captive, there were prophecies that they would be taken captive from God. And then God also promised that he would send somebody to rescue them from that, to give them this kingdom, this new life. And there'd been different people that come along and said, I'm the Messiah. And they made an army and they fought the Romans and they got crushed and the hope was crushed with them. And it just ended in defeat and death. But this Jesus guy that came along was a little bit different. This Jesus guy was doing miracles in front of them and they were like, clearly God is with this man. And they didn't realize at the time that not only was Jesus fully man, he was fully God. They didn't realize that all the time. But they're like, clearly God's doing something here. And so they got a new hope and they're looking forward to it. And they're like, he's going to set us free from the Romans. He's going to give us peace finally. He was supposed to be the prince of peace and he promised peace. And then he got arrested. He didn't even fight back. He stopped the fight. He just let himself be taken captive. He was falsely accused. He was crucified. He died on a cross. Just like any other failed revolutionary. Just like any other failed savior of their nation. So these men are walking along the road saying, we had so much hope. And then he was killed by the religious leaders and the Roman government. And we don't get it. They've been given a reason to fear. They've been a reason to say all hope is lost. Life has lost. Death has won. And that was Sunday, sometime between the morning and the evening that, that he was walking along the road with these guys. He was walking with them during the day on Sunday. But then we get to Sunday night in John chapter 20, starting at verse 19. And that Sunday evening, the disciples who were Jesus' closest friends and followers, were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. They had fear. If you know anything about how you shut down a revolution, a political rebellion, you take out the leader, you chop off the head, but then you have to take out the lieutenant. You have to take out the followers, right? You don't want a new leader to pop up. And so the disciples were the followers of Jesus. So they just watched Jesus be crucified and killed. So they had every good reason to be living in terror that they were next. If the Roman government, if the religious leaders were going to arrest somebody next, it would have been the disciples. They were expecting to get crucified themselves. And so that evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. And suddenly Jesus was standing among them. And he says, peace be with you. Jesus has this habit of just popping up right now. I don't know about you. If I'm, in, if I'm in my house, if the doors aren't locked, if I'm in my house at night and somebody just pops up, I'm going to be scared. Um, but they have the doors locked, right? He says, peace be with you. And whenever I've read this, I've always just thought, Jesus is like, hey, chill out, good vibes, it's all good, don't worry. I'm just, I'm just being Jesus. And as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands. He was like, look at these wounds. Like, yeah, I'm really Jesus. I'm really the guy your friend that you saw killed a couple days ago. But now I'm here in the flesh alive. 
and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. But then again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And when I read this, this changed something for me. Because I always thought that Jesus said, my peace be with you or whatever, just as like a nice greeting, a nice, hey, calm down, don't worry that I'm just popping up by surprise. But he says, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. This is one of the biggest promises you're ever going to get from God. This is one of the biggest promises you're ever going to find in the Bible right here. Peace is saying, peace be with you. And the peace was not his words. The peace was his presence, that he was alive and present. Because as the Father had sent him, so he is sending us. As followers of Jesus, we can be so scared of what will happen if we really follow Jesus. We can be locked down. We can hide behind fear. If I'm open about my faith in Jesus, I'm going to have some friends reject me. If I'm open about my faith in Jesus, it might make things awkward at family dinner. If I'm open about my faith with Jesus, if I actually follow him with my finances, it might actually ruin me financially. If I'm faithful as I follow Jesus, it can have a real cost. It can actually mean losing things. It can mean suffering. And we can fear that it's going to lead to death in our lives. And the Father has sent Jesus to come and live and bring life. And he did that. And it involved a lot of suffering. It involved a lot of hard times. It involved rejection from people. And it even involved his own death. But then the Father rose him back to life. That's what we're celebrating this morning, is that the Father rose Jesus back to life. But then Jesus shows up. And he doesn't say, hey, don't worry. You're going to have eternal life. Nothing bad will ever happen to you again. He says, no, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. So as a follower of Jesus, you may have suffering. You may have death even. But that's not the end of the story. The disciples thought the end of the story was that Jesus came to you, he did a lot of miracles, he gave a lot of hope, and then he died, and it all collapsed. They thought that was the end of the story, but that was just the middle of the story. The end of the story was Jesus rose back to life when he was more alive than ever. And so as followers of Jesus, bringing life is hard work. Bringing life sometimes is a lot of fun and there's a lot of blessing. Other times bringing life into this world means suffering a bad reputation. It means suffering rejection. It means suffering financially. It means suffering relationally. But that's the cost of bringing life. And sometimes we get scared and we're like, I don't want the life that God invites us into of bringing his life into the world. I don't want that because I'm scared of what that's going to cost me. I'm scared that it's going to ruin me. I'm scared that I'm not going to ever recover from that. And Jesus' peace is saying, peace be with you because I'm showing you the end of the story. The end of the story is not my death. The end of the story is the Father raised me back to more life than I've ever been alive. And the end of your story as a follower of Jesus is that no matter what happens along the way, God's not only going to be faithful to use that to bring life into this world, into your heart, into your family, into your friendships, but no matter what happens, death is going to die. 
The middle of the story is death is going to die. And the end of the story is God is going to raise you back to life. So Easter is a story of facing fear. Easter is a story where God says, fear can hold you back. And when we're trying to run to life from death, death can lock us in this room of fear going, it's not worth it. The consequences are too big. And in our human eyes, our brains work. When we're looking from a human's perspective, our brains work and they say, yeah, some things that God might call us to do are going to cost us a lot. And it might feel like it's going to lead us to death. And like death might win. And Christ shows up and says, peace be with you because I can tell you the end of the story. I'm the end of the story. This is the end of your story. I love it. I've never thought that I was going to look at Revelation on an Easter Sunday. But the book of Revelation is amazing because in it, God gives a vision to John. And he tells John to write down a lot of things about what's going on currently in the early church, but then speaking to the future and saying, this is where it's going. I'm going to give you a preview of what's coming. In Revelation chapter 21, starting at verse 1, he paints an image with words. And it's interesting because a lot of Revelation are things that are, they're referencing Jewish culture, which we don't get. It's like if I reference Taylor Swift, half of you will get it and half of you will be like, I just know that Taylor Swift is this young person that sings. And so reading Revelation can oftentimes be confusing because they're referencing Jewish culture. And I don't think any of us are from the Jewish culture of 2,000 years ago. But they're painting a picture. And I want us to listen and just envision this picture. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. And the sea was also gone. I saw the holy city and the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And here's where it gets good. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. God himself will be with them. And they will be his people. God, him, oh, He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Death will die. We hear this invitation from God to follow him. We hear this invitation from God saying, I have a new kind of life for you. It's a better life. It's a realer life. It's, a, it's life as we're fully meant to live as humans. But death is still present in this world. We all face it in our own battles. We all face it in our own ways. That death is present in this world right now. We have pain. We have sorrow. We have tears. And they can hold us back. We can be like the disciples locked in the room, not knowing the end of the story, thinking this is the end of the story right now and going, it's not worth it. I'm alive and I'm breathing, but I'm held back by fear. So am I even really living life? But if I get out of the room and I live life, I might die. And the end of the story is death will die. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down as if he's not already writing stuff down. So I guess this really matters. For what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. Echoing 
Christ's last words on the cross before he died. He said it is finished. But this is the real it's finished. It is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. God was at the beginning. He created the universe. He created humanity. He put them in the garden and said, hey, live this good life with me. We rejected him. We stepped away from God's ways. We entered into what we call sin of leaving the ways of God where there's brokenness and there's death. And death got power on this earth. Death took control. We know that every human in this room is going to die at some point. We know that death is winning right now. But then God says, I am the end. Death is not the end. Death is the middle. God is the end. It's finished when God says it's finished. It's finished when all things are made new. When we're alive. It's finished when every tear is wiped away. When all pain and suffering are gone. So to all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings. And I will be their God and they will be my children. It's so exciting when you see glimpses of the life that God gives. When you see him working in your soul in a way that you're like, I can't find healing for this on my own, but God's bringing healing. I've, or I see him working in my family. Like I can tell you, it's funny having my parents sit here in church because I know what they were like 30 years ago and they weren't the same people. There's things that God's done in my parents' life as they followed him where I'm like, that's not how humans change. That's how God changes people and brings healing and brings new life. And so it's so exciting when he says, hey, I'm going to give you freely, like a spring of water. I'm just going to give you life. But then fear steps in and says, but it might cost you your life. It might cost you your career. It might cost you your friendship. It might mean having to look death in the eye. In my own life, I still wrestle with the death of my first two children. That's something that really I wrestle with. And I wrestled with God with. That was something that I had a, I don't know, it wasn't a fight, but I wanted to quit God at that point. I was like, I don't want this life if you promise so much and you're not going to show up. But the peace of Christ is, is Christ saying, I am risen. And it's crazy because it's one of the most clearly documented events in history from 2,000 years ago was that death, it was that Christ rose to life. And you kind of want to question this sometimes and go, is this just something that we tell ourselves to make ourselves feel better or is it really true? And it's funny because Jesus said, my peace be with you as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. And he sent those disciples. And once they saw that he was really alive, it gave them the trust and the courage to know the end game, to know how things ended so they didn't fear death. They didn't fear the power of death in the world because they knew that death will die. And so they went out and they were faithful to share that new life that Christ brought. They were faithful to go to every nation and share the gospel and tell about Jesus and their new faith. And out of the 11 disciples after Judas, history tells us that 10 of those died for their faith. Would you take on a faith? Would you go and share a religious belief that's going to get you killed if you don't believe that the God that you're sharing about can overcome death. I sure wouldn't. I'd be like, oh, this Jesus thing was good until I knew that my life was on the line. And I'd be like, oh, I'm going to get killed for this? 
He was cool, but it was just a trick. It was just an illusion. No, I would quit. I would be like, this is my time to exit. The disciples were living in fear of death, but once they saw Jesus in the flesh alive, they felt his wounds. They said, this is a real deal. This is something that I don't care about the powers of this world, about death in this world anymore, because I know that death will die. That in Christ, death is dead. And that the father would raise his firstborn son to life. That if he invites us to be sons and daughters too, that he's going to be just as faithful to you and to me. And he's going to raise us to life. In my own life, when I face moments of death, I don't know exactly, God doesn't give details of how he's going to overcome every type of death. I don't understand. I don't know what that's going to look like exactly. But I move into the future knowing that he's going to bring healing. That if he can raise Christ to life, he can raise me to life. If he can bring life in this situation, he can bring life into the situation of my children. If he can bring life to these disciples that died for him, died sharing their faith, he can bring life to you when it may even cost you to be a follower of Jesus. Whatever that looks like. So I'd encourage you with whatever area you're facing death today, whatever area fear is stopping you from really living, to look in the eye and go, I know that death will die. You can even imagine writing a tombstone for it and go, whatever date it was, you really knew that God had the power over death. For me, it would be somewhere in 1997, where I'd say, somewhere back in 1997, on that day, death died in my life. It quit winning. It quit, quit taking control. Because I understood that God would adopt me as his son, and he'd be just as faithful to raise me to life as he was to raise his son, Jesus. So in your life, if you're a follower of Jesus, whatever fear is holding you down, whatever fear is locking you in a room, I want you to look and point at that tombstone and say, no, on that day that I knew that Jesus came back to life, on that day that God gave me the confidence that he's alive and present and he can raise me to life, I'm, on that day, I was done with death winning. I was done with living in fear of death because I know that death will die. But some of us, we may have been in church for years. Some of us, this may be new to us. But some of us may have never really believed that. Some of us may be like, I know all the stories of Christianity, but when it comes to my life, I still don't have that trust. I still don't know. I still have those fears still win because I don't know if God can win the victory. And so I encourage you to look for proof from God. It's funny because the disciples had women in the morning come and tell them, Jesus is alive. An angel told us Jesus is alive. <clears throat> and the disciples already knew Jesus was alive, but they were still hiding in a room because they knew the truth, but they didn't believe the truth. They knew it, but they didn't believe it. And for us, we can hear so many times, this is the truth of the Bible. This is the truth of the gospel. This is the truth of Easter. But Jesus had to show up and say, hey, the experience you need is literally touching some open wounds, which is disgusting, but that was the experience they needed to know. And so if you know the story of Easter, but you don't believe it, pray that God would show you. He's so faithful to show you 
that he's real, to show you that he's present. When we seek him, he's so faithful to show up and say, hey, I'm here. And I've been here all along. You don't have to fear death anymore. So that's the story of Easter this year. It's that death will die. In Christ, death is dead. And in your life, death will die. I'm going to invite the band up as I close this up in prayer. God, I pray that this Easter would be an Easter where we put a tombstone in for death in our lives. That we know that death will die. That if we're struggling to believe that in our own lives, if we're like, I get that you can work in so- my friend's life, you can work in my brother, my sister's life, or my parents' life. I pray that you would make it so clear that you can work in my life. And I pray that we become fearless, that we become like the disciples where we no longer fear anything, any power of this earth, any power that death still has on this, has on this earth because we know we're in the middle of the story and we're not at the end. And we know you're ending, God. Whatever is holding us back, whether it's that we're not talking to somebody in our family because we're fearful of what it would do to our relationship to talk about our faith, that you would take away our fear. Whether we're afraid of having, letting are your ways, your ways of treating people, your ways of living life affect how we do our work and our business because it's going to hurt us financially and people are going to think that we don't know how to do business anymore. I pray that you would give us courage not to fear that anymore because we know that you're going to win in the end and it's so much more worth it. We're so thankful that Christ would die for us who would take the weight of sin and brokenness of this world on himself to bring healing, to bring hope. Not only that he lives, but that we're going to live. Thank you so much, God. Amen.